Hey friends, how are we all? Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Punk podcast. I'm Seb Mackay and oh man, I mean I have such a good episode lined up for you this week. I spent an hour and a half on Thursday night chatting with JT Cavey and Jesse Cash from ERA. Their self-titled album is coming out March 19th, which is this Saturday coming. I mean, look, it's a fucking banger. I got an advanced copy. It's incredible. If you haven't heard the singles, get on that shit right the hell now. This interview, the guys said, is one of their favorites of this press tour, if not their favorite. And I'm not just making that shit up. You can check it out in the interview. Jesse says it a couple of times. Now, the reason they say that is because it's also their scariest interview yet. We don't just talk about the music. In fact, we mostly don't really talk about the self-titled album at all. Instead, we talk about how the guys deal with fame, with fandom, how they keep their egos in check. And we get nice and vulnerable, nice and intimate, and we have a really nice, long, open conversation about all of the parts of their lives that come together to make the music happen. Whether it's Jesse's first time watching the Star Wars movies just recently, or dealing with the heavy subject matter in their songs, or how people take those songs and interpret them and reinterpret them. This is a very wide-ranging conversation, but we really drill down into what makes JC and JT the guys that they are and the music that they produce. I think you're going to love this one. I loved recording it. It's been, you know, a pleasure to edit, to go back and listen to the guys be thoughtful and insightful all over again. They're incredibly charming guys, incredibly nice, and honestly couldn't be happier with how this episode turned out. So I really hope that you guys all feel the same. At the end of the episode, as always, I'll be playing their new single. This one is called Shadow Autonomous, but for now, let's get into this shit. It's funny, it's moving, it's insightful. It's JTKV and Jesse Cash from ERA at the absolute top of their game. You're on the Modern Punk Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for coming and hanging out on this episode of the podcast. It's awesome to have both of you. I feel super spoiled, um, and I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a riot. Yes, we're happy to be it's, here it's together always, as a unit. I feel like it's more comfortable when it's the two of us. We That's we uh, we balance each other out. Yeah, it also, feels a bit safer. Also, I get a lot of questions that only Jesse can really answer, so it's it's nice to have him here. Nice. I was wondering, do you guys like the band 36 Crazy Fuss? I do. I've actually never heard them. Oh, really? Really? I'm yeah. It's like classic, uh, what is that, like 05, like dad hardcore or dad metalcore? Yeah, that's a good they, way to put it. Like, like all that remains, like what late all that remains sounds like 
that's what they sounded like i've always I always thought for some reason they were been kind of like 10 years like that sort of genre but I, kind of wrong. but more metalcore influence more metal influence yeah, yeah, so the reason I bring it up is the new album reminded me a bit of their record Time and Trauma. That that idea of, and um, JT and I were talking about this a little bit before you came on, Jesse, we were talking about how... You only missed um, like two minutes. <laughs> it was an amazing two minutes. Uh, we were talking about how like press, how press releases can be sort of, you know, really over the top and, and sort of um, really like talk about how albums are these massive kind of transformational things and sometimes you get you get not that they're not right but you get guys in a room and it's like oh yeah you know we just we just like making songs and making music and that kind of thing and we're talking about how the, a little bit about how the press release talks about the depths that the new record goes to and so i was listening to it and it reminded me a bit of time and trauma which i guess when you call an album what was it dad metalcore it sounds like it and I meant yeah. it as a compliment, but now I feel like it's become a backhanded thing. <laughs> no, it's uh, it depends. I guess it depends who you're talking to. In our situation, it's like we're we're doing a bunch of those right now, so it's kind of ironic. Yeah, nice. It's a, it's it's got such a. I, I want to say like existential feeling to it, right? Would that would that would that be fair? I mean, so I would say sometimes the goal is that like. I think there are definitely artists out there who who would like to hope they're trying to well they're in in attempt to produce something that's just like different and special. But perspective, I guess, is everything. When you go into those things, I remember this this interview with um, Tim from Rise Against, and he's talking about someone's asking him about like why his music's all angry, and if he's like an angry person, and he's like, no, not really. But you you know you sort of go into yourself and you dig up those kinds of like emotions yeah. and that kind of stuff. A, re a release of emotions. Yeah, sometimes what? anger, you know, it's, it's sometimes the portrayal of anger and intensity is the best way to display the same intensity of that emotion, even if it's not related to being actually angry. <clears throat> Which is why we like metal, right? That's why I like metal. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it seems kind of relative to like the kind of movies I like too. Um, first of all, is my audio okay? Just yeah. like with the computer audio. Um, Sounds good. Like, <clears throat> like I, I like a lot of movies that are super violent. But I don't like them because of the violence, and I'm certainly not a violent person. But um, like a movie like Hostel, I, I don't like because it's just it. That's kind of the point of the movie to be violent. But when, like violent or like when like violence or like aggression, in the case of music, um, it's just like a really intense feeling, and when it's used in the context of art, I like it as like a vehicle to sort of like raise the emotional level mm -hmm. um so i like violence in movies when it's used in a taste of way to like make me like feel polarized when i'm watching it not necessarily the sensational like the, the sensationalism of it and uh oh this makes me want to hurt people yes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no but uh <laughs> but, <laughs> that's yeah, good like uh like like I, I like i like super heavy music it just it just feels good i don't know it feels like a like a release because it's just such an intense emotion to convey um like yeah i don't know like over the years i've i've become definitely way less of an angry person but the music i listen to has become angrier um, sort of like sucks it out of you right like you're that's yeah. what it's been like for me anyway it's like i'm more chill but man i listen to some aggressive stuff yeah like Kublai Khan's become one of my favorite bands. Um, nice. 
Let's go. Oh, nice. <laughs> this is the Kubicon shirt. Nice. I didn't even notice. Yep. Uh, the 36 Craziest thing was funny because we we didn't necessarily name my old band's last record off of Bloodwork, but it's literally called Bloodwork, which is our favorite song by them. I mean, so it's cool. a hell of a song. Yeah. We were just, um, the thing that I was, I guess I've wanted to ask you just if one of the things with me is the older I get, I watch like violence and movies and stuff and I find I'm way more, like I cringe way more about stuff. And I feel like my, even though I know it's fake, right? I was, this, I'm going to drop a Walking Dead spoiler that's like 10 years old. Um, but you know, when they bash Glenn's head in with the, um, with Lucille, the baseball bat, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, spoiler alert. Uh, but like, like watching that whole thing, like I know intellectually that that's, that's not real. Right. But I just felt like I was going to fucking puke the entire time. And I you find it so like, so interesting that the difference between us. So I would say, did, did you feel an attachment to the character at that point? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I stopped yeah. watching so, it after so, he died. So, so the violence like elevated, like your attachment to the scene and the context of what was happening. Like you were like, especially emotionally polarized, you know what I mean? Because you were, because you cared about the character. Like I, like, I love that. Like I love to like watch things and read things that make me feel bad. As long as they're, they're fiction. Like I don't, I don't want to see like real people getting hurt. Um, but uh, in a fictional context, like I want to feel bad because it, because it's just like cool to feel something. It's just like, it's like a little high to just feel something extreme. I think it's interesting when you have like the creative difference between showing a scene of violence and then showing the versus showing like the um, assumption of violence. Like instead of you showing the actual bashing and the whole shots, in frame versus you just see the emotion on his face, maybe some blood splatter to his face. So like the facade that it's happening is all you see. You don't actually get to see the actual violence. It's like two different creative techniques. Yeah. And that, and that, that just ties in. Like, that, like that's just like an example of just like the nuance of creating something in a way to evoke a certain emotion, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they film f- filming things in a certain way. Um, I don't know what the direct correlation is with like a song, but, but yeah, like using certain shots to like, like I, I just saw the star Wars movies for the first time recently. Like, in interesting. A, <laughs> we're so going to talk about that. Cool. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I actually like loved them. Um, but uh, like in return of the Jedi, like whenever <laughs> like Luke is, you know, he's like, he's, he's like uh, conflicted on dark side versus good when he's like, in his little battle with, with Vader and like half of his face is in shadow and like half is in the light. Like I didn't even notice that. I'll have to go back yeah. and look for that. Just like things like that in movies, like obviously that's in like every movie you've ever seen. Like there's just those kind of messages. But um just those things that make you feel a certain way that you can't quite put a finger on unless you really start kind of analyzing that stuff. But it's but I think subconsciously that stuff does create a reaction in you um that's a pretty funny example to use it's just like the most recent movies that i've seen so it's fresh on my mind but um recent, recent being 40 years old <laughs> yeah yeah i mean what what took you i look i'm no huge star wars fan right i think they're fine i had a couple of t-shirts growing up i watched them when they were on free to air tv but it's always sort of slightly interesting to me when people have just kind of skipped those sort of big pop culture things 
I mean, I read Harry Potter a year ago because I was trying to impress my girlfriend. So, like, I'm way into <laughs> trying to impress her. You know, like, like I'm way into skipping big, big pop culture things. I yeah. mean, he knew he knew this was coming too. Like, I can't believe it. Like, we talked about that. I, I, I feel like I feel like I, I, I wouldn't say I like skip the pop culture things, but um, they just for most of my life just haven't done much for me. Like, um. I've always thought Harry Potter was cool. And every time I'm with friends and a Harry Potter movie has been on, I've enjoyed it. And I've been like, this is cool. Like, I like this movie, but it stops there. Like, when the, when the credits roll, like, I've moved on. Like, I've never felt a strong attachment towards, like, Lord of the Rings, same thing. Like, I watched Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, this is cool. It's also just kind of not for me. <clears throat> so I was actually really not expecting to like Star Wars at 29 years old, but... um weirdly enough i really liked star wars like like and, and it's funny too because i think um creatively like the harry potter stuff and lord of the Rings stuff is much more impressive than like the star wars narrative for sure like there are bad star wars movies in there but um even like that was like weirdly charming i don't know it's just like some things just work for you and you can't quite explain why but um hmm. but yeah that's a good a, point a lot of those big pop culture like fantasy things like it just <clears throat> yeah i don't know why but like like as a kid it just never really uh resonated with me it, pokemon stuff too and like magic the gathering like i just never i never you dare talk shit about magic i was just gonna say don't talk shit about pokemon <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and, I, and i wouldn't you know what i mean like 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 i like i get it you know what i mean i get that it means a lot to people and i don't think there's any wrong with that it's just um like truly like i'm not pandering like i really don't care it's just it's just like nothing to me. I don't know. Are there uh, any series like like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter that you do f like are passionate about? Nothing. Nothing that would be like described as like super like mainstream, super fandom nerdy. Yeah. Like, um, not really. Um, Aliens, Predator. Those are mine. Terminator. Yeah, but but but, but see, but with Alien, like because like. Like, I mean, you know me, I'm like fucking hipster, <laughs> like I'm obscure shit, but like, but for me, Blade Runner. Alien, my, my fandom towards Alien is Aliens because it's like a Ridley Scott movie and just like how mm -hmm. technically impressive it is and stuff. Right. It's not really like the, ooh, a cool monster aspect of it. <laughs> I like both. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. Like, that kind of comes for, for me. That's like the secondary attachment. Like the, the, Like the first thing is just like, that it's an extremely well-crafted movie and it's like a fucking vibe and then from that i'm like also the monsters are cool which yeah i felt that in star wars too like i was surprised because usually like, i'm not really into like action movies but every time a lights lights lightsaber comes into comes into play i'm just like yeah <laughs> well that's cool I'm like that's... cool that one's red like like, like it truly does like it, it clicks something for me i'm just like excited by it so i so I, I i get it but it's rare that those things click into place for me like like the marvel movies i will never care i don't think it's possible interesting oh, fighting words see i wish i could go back and experience some stuff for the first time you know like for me if i if i think about the things i'm geeky about so much of that is like held on to the fact that being an adult is stressful and it kind of sucks and paying rent and bills is shit and so i'll use those things to not think about how much it sucks paying rent and bills you know what i mean like there's a an element yes. of escapism to it but not in the 
fun, untainted kind of childish way as like when you first fall in love with a fandom or, or anything. Yeah, 100%. Kind of interesting to show that how like the test of time has has done for Star Wars and you're a perfect example. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you that um, <clears throat> I feel like I'm the opposite <laughs> of what you said because because I I don't have a lot of those like um, nostalgic childhood things that I attach to and I'm actually happy about it. Um, even though, like you said, it's, it's good to it, like it's totally natural for all of us as human beings to cling to, to, to things that, you know, distract us to take our minds off of the more mundane parts of life or the more often paralyzing parts of life. But, um, but I'm kind of glad I don't have that attachment because I don't know, you, you, you kind of have to get creative with like things you rely on to feel like, all right, with what's going on around you in your life. Um, I, I do have those things, but they're so few and far between. And I, and I actually, I'm actually happy about that. Like, I'm happy that I, that I like don't cling to, to, to things that were important to me when I was young. Like I, I pretty much move on from everything, even music, you know, when people like are like, Oh, like I love this when I was 16. So it's my favorite record. Like that's my favorite record by that band. Cause it's the one I liked when I was 15. And I just like, can't relate to that. Like I, I don't listen to much of what I what I listened to when I was fifteen. It's like I just moved on to the next thing. I, I listen to things nostalgia. that still resonate, like like Thrice and Deftones, like um, like the Diamondized record I heard when I was in high school. But it's still it's it, it, like objectively, I feel like it's t- like you know checks mm. most of the, the most boxes in their discography for me, just in terms of why it's so appealing, but that's kind of a rare example of, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. JC, what's your, um, what's your childhood like cling to thing, your nostalgia thing, music uh, or movies, not music. Cause this is a music podcast and that'd be boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What's yours, JT? I, 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 I think about mine in the meantime. I don't, I mean, I, I love like, that you're drinking out of a jar, right? Sorry. I just, it just like casually picks up a jar. Like that's what I have that too. That's I, the, Mason jar is very, very popular. Very Southern thing. I feel like. Rock on. I, I think I you're got right. a Seattle water bottle. So <laughs> nice. <Yeah>. You tourist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> um, we do the same shit in your country. So, um, are you like, I mean, are we talking about like, my memories of being on swim team as a kid or like are we talking about like a thing like a um like a toy or a i don't know i guess be more specific is there a piece of art sorry i'm like art okay hijacking the interview (laughs) no you're fine is there is there is there a piece of art that like you love when you were young that when you like if if, if a movie that if you check out now that you love when you're five does kind of take you back to that simpler time and kind of take your mind off of whatever stresses you're dealing with now to kind of make you kind of feel that sort of purity that, that you felt when you were a kid um fuck that's a hard question well ironically and I didn't have to ask it yeah um ironically Sorry. today is 311 make a habit of that. <laughs> we make like in the music some of the time some people in the music scene consider, consider this a cool day because it's 311 day so if you're a big 311 fan um it's cool which is ironic because 311 was my favorite band. So I guess in a way, you could say 311 does that for me. I, when I was eight, I bought the 
the self-titled record and I would come home from school and play down at 311 nice. every day. And my parents hated me for it. <laughs> so things like that. Um, I would say there's def- definitely movies like some animated movies like um, maybe some like Toy Stories or Pixar's. I can remember the event of when of when that happened. Um, I remember seeing MIB, or sorry, mm-hmm. not MIB, Independence Day in the movie theater in like 94, and that was really, really cool. So there's certain of, I'm, I more remember the event and the uh, the joy and the good times that come with it. I don't know if that really answers your question. I really, I guess I, nothing really specific. I just remember you know, good times. I think I have answers now because I do have those things, but they, but they just kind of started later than, because when you ask about mm. those nostalgic things that you cling to, like, I feel like my brain first goes to childhood. I don't have a lot of that from my childhood, but when I was in high school, that's when I like, you know, like I saw like a Tarantino movie for the first time when I was like 13, 12. And then that was, that was huge. Like I saw, which Pulp one Fiction, I was like, Whoa, Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah, Pulp Fiction. Nice. Yeah. That was a great start. Like who, like, did you, like I'd, I'd never seen anything like that. And uh, that was sort of the starting point of me, like really, really like getting into movies. So yeah. R- Reservoir Dogs is a movie that I've seen probably five or six times over the years and I could watch it again right now and still enjoy it. So I, so I guess that would fit into that category of something that definitely like takes me back to like the early, like the very beginning of like developing a love for something that I still love very much, which is good movies. I think but more my, my events are just tied to memories. Mm. Like my, yeah. I remember when my parents spun uh, Eddie Murphy's comedian vinyl, which is, which is taken from uh, Delirious, his live video from the 70s. Um, and it's so raunchy and so dark, especially for a, 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 like a, the 11-year-old or 12-year-old that I was when I first heard it. Um, but my parents, my parents loved com- comedy and they saw, they saw the humor in the, in the vul- vulgarity and I, and I did too. So it's, it's things like that. You know, I just saw Delirious for the first time a few months ago. I put it on Netflix. It's good. It aged pretty well. I mean, the <laughs> jokes. Well, I mean, the jokes aren't aren't definitely not PC, and his humor is not PC, but it's still funny. Right. It, well, it's amazing. Like, yeah. he, like he, it was hilarious, and he's an amazing performer. And most of it was like, you know, by like today's culture standards, which are obviously over the top at times. But um, most of it was like, uh, like passable mm-hmm. but the very the very first joke that he opens with was not <laughs> and, um, <laughs> i can see your brain ticking over like yeah, is it yeah. gonna be a pr nightmare if i relay this joke no the answer is no, no, yes no, no. but you I, should do it is anyway. that the f word joke not not the normal yeah. f word let's not talk about the joke yeah. but yes yeah. but like but yeah but that it's one's like, rough right out of the gate like yeah. first line of the set and then he goes on about it and it's like um because now whenever whenever like those kind of jokes happen they're maneuvered so expertly to just like show you that there's more to the joke and it's not like a homophobic thing mm-hmm. is what just wasn't that <laughs> like it was just like kind of homophobic but but again it didn't like that was the time though it didn't offend me I, like i was like i was i was you know like it's like all right we're, i'm gonna get through this for sure like it's not it's not a deal breaker for me 
but yeah. but I was watching it. And I was like, people are gonna fucking tweet about this for sure because it was it was a big one. It was a. <laughs> but anyways, we we can move on. You, but fucking hilarious, and like I was like so impressed at how good of a comedian he was when he was. Oh he was yeah. like twenty two in that dude. It's crazy. Yep. He's a fucking child. Yep. He, he got his Mark Twain award for that uh, a couple years ago. Amazing. Oh, man, and what? I just talk shit on the internet. That so I <laughs> I love like I love that kind That's of comedy. Art. But <laughs> I don't know if you guys know um Daniel Sloss, the Scottish comedian, but he That's he is super like super familiar. Really dark turned right the way up. And he does this whole piece on Netflix. Um I think I actually think it's called Dark or something like that. He's got two specials. And he tells this whole joke about his family and his life growing up and all that kind of stuff. Oh, he's like an intellectual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have seen some of his clips. He is funny. Yeah, and he's and at the end of it, he tells this thing, and it's like supposed to be really offensive, and you can hear everyone in the audience kind of like breathe in and hold their breath. And then when he gets to the punchline, he's like, and I don't want to say it because like you need to kind of watch it, right? It's, yeah, it's, don't ruin it's, the joke. I'm less worried about getting in trouble. I'm more worried about like mm -hmm. ruining the joke. But you get through <laughs> it. You get through it and you, you sort of feel yourself like tense up and you go, oh, and he, he explains it and you sort of go, oh, oh, I get it. Like, it's okay for me to feel like this. Like, yeah. you know, or like, oh, I'm feeling offended, like on behalf of this, like the object of the joke, not the subject of the joke, you know, and it, it's just so artfully done. And it's just so like, it's kind of literary in a sense, you know, dude, the, that, that there. I mean, well, first of all, it's relative to what I was saying earlier about just like art, like evoking an emotion in you, like, like the whole room felt this tension and it's like, it's cool to feel that. And like, you know, there was a point to what he was doing. Like he was, he was manufacturing that tension with his joke intentionally. Um, but like, but also like that, what you described is why I think that like stand up comedy now, like during, like, like during these very sensitive cultural times i think it's better than ever because like comedians are like more challenged than ever to maneuver these like sticky subjects in like a like a like a very craftful way so the ones that like do like bill burr is one of my favorite comedians mm -hmm. um i think he's the best at it but, but yeah like the ones that do are just like just showing how amazing they are at their craft and how they really do have something valuable to say, especially like today, like in this current cultural climate. Um, yeah, dude, that's the best. I'm going to, I'm going to check out that special. Do you, do you feel like again? Daniel Sloss? S-L-O-S-S. Uh, -S -S. Yeah. Do you feel like music? So music's always an interesting one, right? Cause when someone tells a joke, you can like, okay, that's a joke. I'm being told a joke, but obviously with music, not to like preach the choir or anything, but I have to set this question up. Everyone forms their own connection with it and things are, you know, it always means slightly different things. So in terms of maneuverability of subject matter, do you feel like it's easier as a musician or do you feel like being in the metal scene, we sort of fly slightly under the radar so we can be a bit more on the nose with things than, you know, say, a band like Waterparks, who are pretty mainstream, could ever get away with. Not that they'd ever write about a suicide forest, but you know. I think, I think we probably can get away with more because, um, because of the style of the way we write lyrics. Like, uh, I think there are some things that are that are like a bit ambiguous, and other things that are like, 
they're so like broad they're they're articulated with like enough like like it's it's, it's enough broad articulation to where you can like kind of interpret it a lot of different ways um like like for instance like someone we were talking to the other day in an interview mentioned house of glass and uh they were talking about the themes and they said like self-harm and it kind of caught me off guard oh uh, yeah i actually but, wanted to say something about that because we did, yeah. that wasn't the intention at all yeah, yeah. And, we, and we were talking kind of fast so like i like we didn't stop to acknowledge it because it would have like interrupted what he was saying but um um that's fine because there are there are lyrics in there that like are discussing suicide but like but when he when he said just like a theme of self-harm i was like i don't know i don't think that we're fully qualified to touch on that and i don't think that's what we were trying to do yeah um so yeah so that i feel like that was more his interpretation but like usually when we're talking about things that can be connected to something as weighty as hurting yourself like we're talking about how we can relate to that from our own experiences which usually is just from you know just feeling depressed and stuff you know mm. and like so, since sometimes like it does get into like deeper darker places from that starting point but for us like we don't claim to know beyond that starting point like, look, look, like if we don't try to like speak on things beyond our wheelhouse so so it did give me pause because because if, if the question he was asking became a question about self-harm i would have to kind of take a step back and be like dude i'm like I'm not qualified to talk about this thing. Like, um, I, I haven't, I haven't gone through that. And it, it is definitely a subjective interpretation to you. If you think that's what we're talking about in this song, you know, so that kind of thing does give me pause, even though, like you said, like we're not as mainstream of a band as you know, you mentioned an example. Um, oh, water parks. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not like a more mainstream band, but at the same time, there are people paying attention. I am always like trying to be weary of that and like i'm always concerned about it you know um because still you know like i don't, I don't want to be i don't want to be misinterpreted but also like at some point we just kind of have to let it go because it's totally out of our control how someone's going to hear and perceive a song or interpret a lyric like if, if they take it literally or if, if they take it the way that guy took it um and, and he wasn't he certainly wasn't trying to like, like get us, like catch us or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He just, um, that was just like what he took from it. Or maybe he had like some like press notes about that song that kind of detailed that as like a theme, but I, yeah, it definitely caught both of us off guard. Like, nah, that's not really like for, for, for me, that's like uh, more of a political song than anything just about social and political polarization, just, dividing people and making people just it's like pick a side and just like it's kind of just about how troubling that is um yeah I but yeah but all but all the more ambiguous lyrics are just kind of serving that theme like we're we're not tr trying to get specific into shit that we absolutely don't understand right you now just talk about the things that we feel like we do I feel like there's a, a lot to be said too for not having to like chase your lyrics around or chase your album around as it hits people and means different things and try to explain what it all means, right? Like there's that whole yeah. thing of if I asked you like, hey man, what's this song about? And you go, 
oh look i was just i was taking a shit one day and like i came up with this song like there's yeah. i mean there's multiple reasons why that answer sucks right um because that obviously changes the meaning of what the song like means to me and everyone else that hears it and you're also kind of it pulls the curtain back on the wizard i think a little bit more as well which is always a i think a slightly strange thing when you are doing things like this it's like it's fun to hang out get to know the people but when you start pulling the curtain too far back i think that we the significance that we can like have in attachments to music can be so frail sometimes right that as soon as you know the true meaning of a song you can never really go back and feel it the way you yeah. used to feel that's my kind of you know big thinking posturing on it anyway i'm actually so glad you're bringing this up because this is something that like i've like wrestled with like particularly throughout the rollout of this record um because i think in the past for us i am always quick to want to talk about the songs because they're just because i'm excited right and i want to like mm -hmm dig in and i want people to take from it what i take from it blah, blah blah but but for this record i've i've like really tried to avoid it because because of exactly what you just said it's like like some of it i feel like could just be like like if, 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 if i told you like this is the answer to this song this is the answer to what it means whatever you thought it meant it actually is this like that um not only does it take the excitement out of it but it also like I feel like a lot of times when I find myself doing that, it's like, am I just like trying to sound profound? You know what I mean? Like trying mm -hmm. to like define this thing that I created because I like, I have an ego towards it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, That's a good like point. The, a lot of people have been asking um, like, what's the, what, what do you want people to take away from the record? That's been a common interview question. What do you want fans to take away from this? What message do you want them to take away from this after they hear it? And in the past, I probably would have given an answer, but my answer every time throughout this rollout has been, I don't, it, it's not for me to say, like, I, I don't want them to take anything. Like, I don't expect anything out of them. Like, I want them to take whatever it is that's subjective to them. Like, there is no theme to this record. Like, this record was constructed in a way to where every single song serves itself. So if you're going track by track, like each track has its own theme, but it is totally exclusive to that track. And there may be a song, three songs later, that has a, a completely different message, like maybe even a paradoxical message. It just depends on like what headspace we were in for that day. Like Scorpion Hymn um, is an angry sounding song instrumentally. So we wanted lyrics that kind of like elevated that sort of aggression. But then there's a song like Vanish Canvas, which is like an extremely positive song, just about living in the moment, being present. So it like totally sort of counteracts some of the previous messages and just two tracks back and like that's fine like that's that's a human being like like that's that's the real shit you know what i mean like for us to act like we have our shit together enough to be like to have that much continuity throughout the context of an entire album to just like i just we just don't want to like fool ourselves or anybody and just like bore you with with some some grandiose idea that we think is profound that we think that you should also have and take from our music. It's like, I don't care what you take from it. If you just love the guitar parts, if you just love the drums, if you just want to hear JT's vocals or my vocals, like that's enough. Or if you want to hear Divisionary and if it makes you like want to like not be on social media so much, that's mm -hmm. even better. But I don't expect you to do that because I don't, you know what I mean? That's like, 
What's your way in on that, JT? That's like our safety net, though, thankfully. Like, if a joke doesn't land for that comedian, like, it's just him and the microphone and his jokes. Like, he doesn't have anybody else. He has no safety net. Like, if a joke doesn't land, like, when you bomb on stage, it's rough. Really rough for them. And rough for us. But thankfully, like, like he said, there's so many things going on, at least for our band, that you can kind of like have your different focuses. It doesn't have to be just the lyrics and the, um, and the lyrical content. It can be like if you're a drummer, you're focusing on that or, or whatever. So we have we have like this whole we kind of like have a platter of things to enjoy, and uh, the variety I think is definitely on the self title, which is which is nice because like like Jesse said, he can you can take what you want, and we have a little bit more flexibility with our interpretation. Yeah, but when we do have try to have like some profound content on our lyrics we want it to be we want it to be received that way if we if we, if possible but at the end of the day yeah we just want to have something to take away we want you to get that like emotional transference live like the the same feeling that you get that euphoria when you like really enjoy a joke and a story from the storyteller and the comedian we want the same emotional transference from our music in a live show we just want the emotion if we can accomplish you feeling something we did the same job and we're equally as happy you know i love i love these kind of interviews so much where we're just like you know like obviously like we, we like to talk about the band but it's fun just to talk about stuff that we're into you know yeah i mean there's an element of like getting to know the people behind the music as opposed to getting everyone to explain the music you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah well because because all that all that other stuff bleeds into the music you know, like so much of like the art that we're consuming day to day is bleeding into like the shit that we're writing, you know, so it's good nice. to like touch on that. It's also that's also terrifying, though, because like if you're if you're like having a lot of like bad self-reflective moments or like introspective moments when you're like hate yourself like that, that's sometimes hard to hide, too. Cause you're really bearing your soul sometimes and it's, it's scary like to hear what you might say about yourself. Yeah. It's funny, you know, for me, like if I'm going to, and I guess this is the part of being a fan that is so good. Right. And I know you guys don't exist in a vacuum. Like you listen to music as well. Right. But I, I assume you do. Um, but <laughs> it's that whole thing of when you don't have to say the things that you would say to yourself because error saying it or 36 True. crazy fists is saying it or you know what i mean and and that in and of itself kind of feels a bit like a safety blanket because i don't yeah. have to sit down and write that shit out and go man i'm one fucked up dude like <laughs> i i can get it from you know a, a playlist on spotify or or whatever you know right yeah but like because because we're like just having like a genuine open conversation like in our own voices I know what you mean, JT, like, like, mm -hmm. like being very self-reflective and also like, you know, touching like you on want to show like vulnerability, maybe, maybe like, scary. you know, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like this is definitely the scariest interview that we've done because we're not simply just talking about the record. You know what I mean? We're talking True. about ourselves, but, um, I like that feeling. I think it's important to, to like, to feel that especially mm -hmm. now. And, um, I think it's making for a more honest conversation, which I really appreciate. I appreciate this conversation very much. Thank yeah, you, man. I, I appreciate it. You know, having you guys be open and, and on that same wavelength. Um, speaking of though, do you feel like you grow into it? Because 
like I know for me, and I, I tell stories on this podcast more than I should about like what it's like to work in this side of the music industry. So, you know, what it's like to work with editors and publicists and how you, you balance all of that. And some of it's going to get me into trouble, but it's inter it's interesting stuff, but there, there's a sense of having to feel like I had to grow into being able to own that space. Right. And being able to share some of those stories and like those awkward gaffes when you meet a band and you're too like choked up on yourself to, you know, to say it. And, you know, thankfully I have some of those on fucking record, but do you feel like you have to, you have to grow into that sense of vulnerability or each time you do it, is it kind of like staring into the void? Probably just depends on the person. Hmm. I talk too much as it is, so it was kind of easy for me. The balance of yeah. not sounding like an egomaniac or too full of yourself is hard. Um, I get, I get, I get caught up in my ego sometimes, so I have to like take a chill pill because I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I also don't want to be <laughs> perceived as that guy either. Dude, you're not. We're just, we're just self-aware people. Yeah. I mean, like, like I want to be proud and humble at the same time. It's sometimes difficult balance. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. So, so I do think it is kind of something you grow into because as far, as far as like being honest and being vulnerable, that is something I haven't had to grow into because I, I feel like I'm pretty goddamn honest all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a hard time doing that. I never have the difference between now and earlier in the band doing interviews and stuff is that I have, you know, come a long way with the balance of humility versus pride. And, um, you know, in the, in my early twenties, <laughs> like I was being super honest, but I hadn't found the balance and, uh, humility and pride. So it's like, so yeah, that's kind of something that is like a little cringy when you're, when you can just like look at videos of yourself and be like, I can see how fucking cool I think I am here. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's like, so it's, it's easier now because, because yeah, it is like, scary in these times to be honest and to be vulnerable but at the same time it's like i don't feel like my ego is getting in the way as much as it used to so it's like i can at least feel comfortable knowing that if i'm vulnerable and it's being filmed <laughs> in 2021 <laughs> i feel like i'm still at the end of the day not going to be hurting anybody because i don't feel that inside myself you know like i don't i don't really feel my ego tormenting me as much anymore it still does from time to time 100 percent. but like but i mean i think i probably had a problem at one point in my life. <laughs> like... i mean it's it's hard not to though right this is something we don't often talk about a lot and i think we should it's that whole idea of you're like in your 20s um i do you know carpal tunnel band oh. they're, oh they're quite <laughs> no. new okay so they're super new they've just signed to pure noise and the guys are like really young i was hanging out with their drummer a few weeks back for a podcast he was talking to me about how he grew up listening to music on his phone you know like these guys are like barely kind of scraping 20 which wow. made me feel like the fucking grand old man um but he was saying you know record contracts should come with therapists because it's the craziest fucking thing when you go up on stage <laughs> and there are people like 14 15 16 whatever and he's like you're like a god to them and it's like how the hell do you deal with that so dude I, I that's a great of, point yeah yeah, it takes it. it takes fucking years to like to kind of like maneuver that and get a grasp on it. And, and I and I fucking respect. I have so much respect for our friends, like our peers in music, who have never seemed to had any struggle with that. Like we, we mentioned Kublai Khan, um, 
the, the first shows we ever played out of state, we, we, um, that first year we played with two of the guys in Kubicon were in two other bands and we played with their old bands. And, um, maybe this isn't the case, but for me, like, like a band like them, like I've always felt like they have been so consistently, consistently themselves throughout their careers. Like they've never really like from an outside perspective, like, I don't know, but from an outside perspective, bands like that, it seems like have always remained focused on just like friendship and just the joy of traveling and playing music. And like that has taken precedent over ego and money and all that kind of stuff. And I just like really admire those people. And also I'm just like, fucking more power to you because for me it wasn't like that because yeah it's like you know you're you're into this weird stuff in high school and your your peers in school don't get it and they don't, they don't get the music you listen to and the pants that you wear i wore tight pants and got made fun of and stuff but it's like so yeah so then all of a sudden you get out of high school and, and those people that didn't get it in high school like are bragging about being your friend and acting like you were closer than you were and Oh, you go, dude. You go to the shows and people are dude. Fucking, oh my you know I mean? god you go to the shows and people are stoked and they're like validating you for the and it's like if, if you've never felt that if you were never like cool it's like it's a lot it feels good and it go it went right to my head for sure you know like i was like i'm i was like i'm the shit you know <laughs> like that like, like that, there were times like 2013 to 2015 I was convinced that like I was the shit you know what I mean and like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh fallout from that kind of from that kind of mindset there's like a lot of growth that you kind of have to go through to program your to program your brain to just get out of get out of that state to get out of that programming and and usually what it takes is someone trustworthy that you care for who's honest to just tell you like, Hey man, um, you have an ego problem or like, Hey man, you do this, you do that. Like, and whenever someone did that for me, it fucking hurt. It hurts so bad. And it took me years of like just wrestling with that, that moment where my friend called me out. Like I thought about it for fucking years, every time that I would feel my ego creeping up. And, um, but it was a good lesson. Cause I was like, I'm going to be this for somebody else. Like I'm going to break someone else's heart when I can see that they're showing patterns that I feel like are just going to like lead them towards misery, um, selfishness, you know, but, uh, and I will be that guy. And I think there are some guys that I've been that guy with who probably still don't like me, who like did not react to it well, because I just like told them like, Hey, like you have an ego problem. It's obnoxious, you know, but, but, I don't know. And maybe sometimes I'm like out of place doing that. I think there have been times where I was, but also like the reason why I feel comfortable, like being that guy in those situations to call someone else out is because ultimately I'm talking to myself. Like I'm just, I'm seeing something in someone else that just resonates with who I am or like certainly who I was. And I just, um, I'm grateful for the people that did the same for me. So I just extend the honesty because a lot of people don't want to do that. They'd rather just like kind of brush it off or like suppress their feelings about this guy and then go and talk about it. And like a group of people behind their back and I fucking hate that. Like I, like I, I feel bad for that guy. Cause he, he doesn't have any idea. Like, you know what I mean? You have to, you have to I tell people when they're doing something that you don't like, you don't have to, start a confrontation that's not I, I i get no fucking pleasure out of getting into an argument with someone 
Um, but yeah, you just kind of kind of have to talk to each other because yeah, because it doesn't come with the therapist. The contracts don't come with therapists. There's there's no one to really coach you through this, and no one in my life personally, like no one in my family, had been through anything like being in a band or even being cool. So it's like I didn't have anyone to talk to. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there was no one to kind of tell me how to uh, keep a balanced ego when every night people are telling me how fucking amazing I am at guitar. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it is it's tough. But what's, um, it, what, what's it like for you, JT? I mean, if everyone loves the front man. You know, like there's that whole thing of pe- people like the personality I think that people gravitate towards the most is always the lead singer. Right. And maybe that's because we feel like you're speaking to us, you know, as fans, like, do you, did you go through some same thing, something similar? Are you still going through that? Well, thankfully Jesse's so popular that it hasn't, it hasn't been that bad. So <laughs> oh, we kind of split, we split the difference. <laughs> no. Um, first of all, the biggest thing for me is this. Uh, for the people not seeing video, I have my hands together like paper versus paper. I'm at here with everybody, and I don't ever want them to think that I'm, I'm trying to put myself at a pedestal. I don't ever want to be condescending. Sometimes I'll say something that might could be interpreted as like condescending, and I'll, I'll catch myself. But I, I never want that intention. Um, so like the stardom platform is, I hate being on it. Like I don't I don't want people to like treat me like a god because I'm a human being. And I hate being treated like I'm not a human being also. Um, So there's that. There's also the balance of like people interpreting niceness and politeness for friendship. That's been tough because I want to build a relationship and a community with some of these people. But just because I'm doing that doesn't mean I want to be everybody's friend. I can't. It's impossible. It's it's the intimacy, right? I can't please everybody. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't give that much of your intimate self to everyone. No. It's, it's draining. It, Super know? draining. So you have that. Um, you have the whole. You have the dynamic of I'm I'm no different. I'm no better than you. Just because I make an art that you enjoy, and I'm happy you enjoy it, and I'm I'm thankful and grateful that you enjoy it. But I don't I don't want to be treated any any special. Um, and you know I don't want you to feel obligated or like. It, it kind of makes me sad when I pe- see people like embarrassed and locked up and like fumbling their words over me. Like I've been in that position too, but um, at the end of the, the, the day, that we just want to be treated as equals, you know? Yeah, it, it's I, better for everybody. What, what, one one thing that that I am like really proud of proud of within our band that I know is a trait that we all have is that I I I think everyone in our band literally talks to every person exactly the same yeah would you agree with that like, I, what, what, yeah. whether, it's, whether it's fucking the guys in August Burns red, yeah yeah if it's the guys in August Burns red or like i mean fucking <clears throat> sebastian or fucking a fan it's like i think that i i truly do think that like we all start the conversation at the same level which is which is something that i like so because it's because it's easy to kind of like it makes it easier to sort of check yourself when you're kind of like stepping out of line and you are being condescending or whatever Mm -hmm. because because if you're starting at the same level with people and you do start to like venture into some more negative territory it's easier to kind of analyze where that's coming from and 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 
because you can say to yourself, okay, wherever this is coming from pertains to this conversation of this individual. So like, I need to dig into that because mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely it's, look at yourself first. You definitely can't start with you. You can definitely be having a bad day and just kind of overall. Yeah, people that's true. Fault, but, but that's not really what I'm saying. Um, maybe I'm not saying it very well. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Probably not making my point. Uh, this particular point as well as some of the others I've made. But uh, but yeah, you know, and it's not like, it's not meant to be a sob story either. I, I'm always like a little bit hesitant. No, of course not. Yeah, it, like, and and by the way, JT, like, I don't, I don't think that's what you're doing at all. I've, totally resonate with everything that you're saying um there's all there's also like a there's the other side of that coin is ironic because i've been i've been in positions where like people in the industry have said like it is important to maintain some sort of like stardom and you want them to think like what you do is special and potentially like unattainable for them to make you feel like you're a desirable thing (laughs) but you know what i mean like uh, like what you do is special and it should be treated as such but there should be like yes. a balance though. Inspiration versus um, obsession kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it, 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 it def, like it, it is special. Like, like, like you should be, you should be proud and you should be mm-hmm. confident in like your position and what you do. Like you're a great vocalist. And, and even just hearing you talk now, like you have so much self-awareness, like all these things that you're checking about yourself and you're monitoring. Like I've never in my life seen you be, condescending to anyone not well that's good but 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 it's but it's like the reason why is because you're thinking about it oh i overthink it for sure so do i i mean we overthink ourselves to death yeah (laughs) you know like like we we really do we're really hard on ourselves but um the alternative is a lack of self-awareness and i'm 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 not cool with that i I would rather kind of dig into things and be misunderstood and like even if there's a situation where someone might perceive me as, a, as an asshole, you know, when you talk about those interactions with, with fans, like if there is someone who maybe isn't self-aware and doesn't realize that they may be doing something that's rude, and then you're reacting to that in a way that a person reacts when someone's treating them rudely, right? they may walk away going, oh, that guy was an asshole without really like being introspective with themselves because, because yeah, they're putting you on a pedestal. They're expecting more out of you because they're, they're putting you in this higher position, but you're just mm-hmm. trying to be on an equal playing field. You know what I mean? And, and I read, um, sometime last year, I read that when we conceptualize people, we do dehumanize them. Yeah. It, it totally define that feeling that I feel when I do feel like I'm being dehumanized. It's like, I like it, it. It's, it's weird. Like it doesn't like, it's weird to call it hurtful. Like, I know that sounds like I'm being a, like I'm being a baby about it. And, and immediately maybe it's not hurtful but when you like when you sit with it the way that it affects you subconsciously it does hurt and it does create problems in your life because it's not fucking normal to get as much attention as we get like it's not mm-hmm. um I, I it could to... be so much crazier there's people out there getting so much more attention than us and like look at the struggle that we have with just the yeah for sure <laughs> like, yeah yeah, could you even imagine being Taylor Swift? Like, I mean, that's just next level. I used to freak out about doing these kinds of things way more than I do now, right? Because I'm I'm a hundred percent admittedly guilty of the pedestal thing, right? Like, I'm sure we I, all are. I've got I've got theories for days about that kind of stuff, right? My mum always used to say to me, "Everyone shits in the morning," you know, I like, like that. Like yeah. they're are ju- just people too. Everyone Sometimes shits twice. in the morning. and sometimes not until after coffee but like it really that for me that's always been like a grounding point as a fan and as a kind of 
industry person, you know, to be like, my job above, you know, so many other things is to make sure that I'm not dehumanizing you guys, you know, or anyone that I interview and that I'm getting past my own kind of excitement to be, you know, as relatable and as easy to talk to as possible. And dude, there are times where I struggle with that, like hell, like I had um, Silverstein interview, fucking like Shane told from Silverstein, like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and, it was, but it was that same thing, like leading right up to it. I'm just having to tell myself, like, calm down. Like, he's just, you know, he's just a person, like, it's going to be fine. And it, it's that whole <laughs> he's a nice person too. Dude, he is amazing. He is such a cool dude. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true for like everyone that I interview, right? I've, I've never met, you know, someone that hasn't been like that, but yeah, from a, from this side of the thing, I get the pressure. I get, I guess in a way I'm trying to say, I get the pressure that you guys are under because I'm familiar with putting people under that pressure. You know, and I'm, I'm familiar with like catching myself in that moment and going, Oh, maybe if I just calm the fuck down for a second, you know, I can actually talk to these guys instead of just kind of screaming and crying and, and then sort of needing to call security, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> first of all, the security amazing. things never happen. by the way, yeah. <laughs> it's just an example. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I just want to say you're amazing at this. Like, uh, like you're very oh, easy to thanks. talk to. And I, yeah, I'm I enjoying this a lot. I do appreciate like, I don't know, like, I, like, I, I like where you've taken the conversation and, 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 and again, like, like, I think it's, I think it's important for us to like have been hard on ourselves. Like, I, I don't know if it's something that like we'll need to do our entire lives. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what my entire life looks like, but like, I know that being hard on myself has done me more good than harm over the years, you know, like, um, because it, you know, as, as long as you're doing it from a place to where like, you're also respecting yourself, like, which takes time. That's not always the case. Like it takes time, um, years, lifetimes, you know, but, but yeah, you know, so, so I I don't even want to tell you guys like, or myself to not be hard on ourselves, but it's like, Mm do it with some grace. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're all doing a great job, you know, <laughs> like, like JT, you're not <laughs> condescending. Sebastian, you're not a fanboy. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> thanks pal. Yeah. Thanks pal. I appreciate that. Yeah. One of, one of my. Say nice of... things to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't. I'll yeah. Now you know how I feel. Um, no, what, so one of my crazy theories about this, this kind of thing, right. Is I, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, but when we listen you know, we feel like the bands are talking to us, singing to us. It's a, it's all for us, right? And we feel like you're going through the things that we go through, all stuff that you guys know. But mm-hmm. there's that really interesting point of, I read, say, like Cormac McCarthy's The Road or like any number of other books, and I know that he's not a psychopath, you know? Like I know that he's not out there killing people, and that's where he gets his material from. But for whatever reason, it always feels slightly harder to draw that line between, you know, having your headphones on, listening to music or sitting and reading a book. And I'm not, you know, I don't know if that separation is because of the physical, like act is, is quite different. But yeah, I feel like, you know, when it comes to musicians, we can, it's much harder to separate the sort of human from the author side of things where it's like, you know, you just instinctively know that Neil Gaiman's not hanging out with the devil, right? So why it would be silly to believe that. Do you, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I, 
Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> if you're if you're writing a novel, if you're if you're a bad writer, if you're if you're if you're bad with words, you can't get away with writing a novel because that is the whole thing, right? It's like not to keep harping on comedy, but same thing with comedy. Like you like if you're on stage and you bomb, you're up there alone. There's no music. There's just the sound of the crowd. If I'm on stage and I bomb, there's another guitarist on stage left who's not bombing and <laughs> JT's there and drums are going and lights are going. There's a lot of distractions so no one's looking at me. Um, same thing with a novel. It's like, if the writing is bad, it's that is completely in focus and no one cares about the book. But like, but in music, if the writing is bad in terms of the lyrics, like just the words, like the writing is bad, there are places to hide still. So I think as a result, you have a lot of, I think there are a lot of amazing bands instrumentally and even singers with amazing voices who write bad lyrics, but no one really cares because they like the other elements. But um, mm -hmm. that's that but, safety net. But I think we've gotten really used to um, just kind of keeping lax standards when it comes to mm -hmm. lyrical content. So we're kind of like, we're pretty like well-adjusted <laughs> to just kind of like dealing with bad lyrics and be like, ah, oh, I can see past it. You know what I mean? So, and I think like a lot of bad lyrics do come from guys who are being like way too subjective or letting their ego kind of, kind of get in the way of the writing. But um, if you read like, like I read like Stephen King's memoir and I've like, or like read and watched a lot of interviews with uh, Hubert Selby Jr. Hubert Selby Jr. would always say like, never let your ego get between you and the page so these writers kind of have these lessons to kind of keep themselves in check to like not hurt the quality of the writing but like these singers who don't have like you said the contract that doesn't come with the therapist like they're just like going through these things that we've been talking about like these crazy ego surges and like there's no mediation with it and there's no like internal editing that they're going through <laughs> to like kind of like check their writing like they're just kind of like writing the first thought that comes to mind they're like yeah print it they're just writing that and going cool the song's ready to go and they go in the vocal booth and they track it they're not like babying it because there's things that hide behind so so i think that's part of why like we do kind of have that instinct to take lyrics so much to heart and be like this is who this guy is because i think like sometimes like maybe that's the case but it doesn't spread across everything like like there are lyrics on the new record that I, that, that I am like a little concerned about, you know, like, um, because of it being misperceived, like the song I mentioned house of glass, the guy that misinterpreted the message of that song, there's a lyric. It's like Russian roulette, but the cylinder is full. No gods to interfere. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's like a, an image of someone fucking playing Russian roulette and shooting themselves and no gods you know it's 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 intense you know what i mean like it's like it's an intense line but it's an intense song and we are definitely not writing from that place of just like you know just just being literal you know and mm. being like totally subjective at all times it's like it's a fucking song it's like like without sounding pretentious like i do try to look at it as like a piece of art as much as possible because it makes me feel more attached to what i'm doing and because i do admire the nuances of art that is saying something hopefully bigger than what is being portrayed like we talk about tarantino and books like the road and stuff like the road is not a book about a guy fucking killing people or people eating people it's you know what i mean it's a book about a father and a son period um so yeah so so, so i so 
that's kind of like my like draw towards being provocative with lyrics is I'm very attracted to better forms of writing <laughs> like Cormac <laughs> McCarthy that will say provocative shit to like get emotion out of you. So, so yeah, we'll say provocative shit. And I, and I like that we're doing that more. I like that. Like we're being more fearless about that. Um, but it does, it does make me concerned. I do, I do, I do worry a little bit, but probably more than I need to. And then JC, I mean, you kind of embodies perhaps the wrong word, but you're kind of, you know, in, in maybe more of a way than the other guys taking that stuff and putting, putting it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know it's you that people feel like they bond with so what's that like from your perspective like the interpretation of lyrical content yeah um well yeah i mean it's kind of all i got <laughs> so i it, i definitely treat it more um more more near to heart which is ironic because we we talked to connor our bass player the other day who mentioned like he doesn't even listen to 50 percent of the band's lyrics and and that's fine um and not uncommon yeah, and and I actually found out more recently that that really isn't uncommon, and it kind of sucks for me because I try to put a lot of work in into that stuff. Uh, it's just something I have to live with, I guess. But yeah, so I write I write my content for the people who are diving in, who do want to know what these lines and potential poetry really mean. Because um, uh, I mean, in our in both of Jesse and I's scenarios, we we definitely spend a lot of time on not only just the words, but how they're delivered, the dynamics within the line, wh where the words come in and how, how they're spoken, whether there's like more emotion to how the words are delivered. There's so many little things you can kind of add in nuances to make it more special and specific. Um, I love writing lyrics and I love when bands spend time to do that stuff, which is, which is, uh, and, and it's not easy either. And And finding that balance between like, writing a Disney song and something that's just like so over the top and profound is difficult too. Um, and there's also bands that have definitely that like, these are meant to be fun. Like I love, I love Attila. I think Attila is a really fun band, but nobody is, nobody is like printing out their lyrics and putting it in an art museum. Cause it's like songs about pizza and partying and fun, but that's like, that's yeah. their lane and that's what's fun to them. And that's what they enjoy. And that's what their fan base enjoys. Whether you get that from us or not is, uh, I guess up to you, but, and yeah, yeah. like it depends on the band, but for, for, for me, I definitely pay a lot of attention to, uh, every single line. Um, and Jesse and I actually trade off. We we've, we've developed this kind of like, lyric writing system that has been really efficient and has produced definitely our best results to date. So we kind of tag team it together because he, he cares equally from what I say and write, which is nice because sometimes I'll write something I think is good. And then he comes with a different approach and I realize that I'm underselling it or, mm -hmm. or overselling it or something. Yeah. Um, lyrics. It's definitely something that I've got a lot of bands like uh, and a lot of a lot of like listeners overlook. Like it's just one of those things that it's always the last thing that you think about. It's the last thing that we think about too um, when we're writing the songs. But at the same time, like yeah, I, I mean, like it, it does matter a, a lot to me. Um, but I do like bands that that don't care about it. Like like. That is fine. That's just not the kind of band I'm interested in being in. Yeah. Um, 
because yeah it's it's a part of the song and i you know what i mean like i care about the song i, I want every part of it to be cool and lyrics mm-hmm. are a part of it so for me it's like kind of like a no-brainer it's like of course i care about the lyrics but i but i totally get it like when connor says like i don't think about the lyrics i totally understand that you know what i mean like like i like modern country like the bad kind like it's very <laughs> fun for me um it's just like simple and dumb and it's just it's great i fucking like really love it um <laughs> but it but those lyrics are you know this is very subjective but they're bad they're, they're fucking bad it's bad writing but like um that's all right I, I don't care like it's fine you know what i mean like but it's just not what i'm interested in like i love like i am so fucking proud when i like write a lyric that i think is good because it's it's harder for me like it's easy for me to write a song on guitar that i think is sick like i i like the things i write <laughs> but with lyrics it's like so much more of a challenge and because i am such a big fan of like reading and stuff like when i write something and i feel proud of it like that's like a different kind of fuck yeah because i kind of have imposter syndrome with it a little bit more so than the guitar so when i do feel confident in it it's awesome like our song divisionary like i think those are the best lyrics we've ever come up with like um i'm really proud of the lyrics of that song and it feels good to feel that because quite often i'll go and look back at older stuff i wrote and i'll just be like you why did i say that line like yeah mm-hmm. it's like like i have like those kind of cringe moments sometimes looking back at stuff and um, i think i think we all do you know like not to sound wanky yeah. and i and i know this is going to sound wanky but it's kind of similar doing this right it's that idea that i can draw people in by saying you guys are on the show and people will come and, and they'll listen and they'll listen to us talk about what it was like to be in working in the studio and you know they'll listen to you guys kind of like sound bored as fuck as you go over that for the ten thousandth time if you know mm-hmm. we sat and we wrote songs and it's the same as every time you write an album but it's, so it's like we the draw card is is you right but there's that sense of knowing who you want to be and like wanting people to stay because they come out of it and they go man i i feel like i know those guys a bit better or i appreciate their music a bit more or you know it's that idea of giving more because you can you know and because you care about it enough to do that and same as you right like i'm all for people that that have music podcasts where they sit around they shoot the shit they play some songs that they like nothing wrong with that but i know that if I can like really dig in and do and do more and give people more, like why the fuck wouldn't you? And I guess it's yeah. the same approach to songwriting, right? Hundred percent. I mean, especially for our band, like JT. Like I feel like we would agree on this. Like, um, I hope you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's find something to debate. <laughs> um, but like, like, like for us, like any band would like to go wider right you would like to reach a wider audience but like yeah for us like it just would have to be a result of going deeper you know what i mean which i know you've heard that a lot Ooh. a lot of people say that like like death, no i've not heard that with. i like that no um, i've never heard that i really like that I feel like i've heard people use this before but but yeah like we don't want to go wider we want to go deeper and then if we go wider as a result then it's more of a reward because if i think a lot of bands make that mistake because they they want to hit it a wider audience so they'll kind of like adjust their sound according to that principle but it's like uh that's not what you should be thinking about when you're writing a song like that's like a very intimate personal special thing to write a song in my opinion like that's like 
it's a, it's a very big deal to me. Um, so maybe I'm being too subjective, but I feel like I can hear like the song suffering when you're, you're, you're putting that, that principle of width before depth. Like, um, it's like if, if the music is fucking sick enough, it'll just go wider on its own or at, at least that's, there's no other option for me. Like, like I, like I just, uh, I, I know what we're capable of and I'm not going to sell myself short to pander to, to like, you know, to, to, to pander to someone that doesn't get our band. Like you should, as a band, you should be expecting more out of people. They should be getting on the level of what you're doing and not the other way around. I think that's how you fuck up and write a bad record is when you're trying to get on the level of someone who you don't even fucking know. Like if I go and watch a reaction video to our new song and someone just doesn't get it. If I start writing songs based off of that reaction video, this song's going to suck and they're probably still not going to like it. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's a good point. Yeah. You, you just have to be focused in your vision for what you want for the song. And I think if you're thinking about having more fans and more validation and more money and like bigger numbers on Spotify, bigger numbers on tour, I think those kind of things, it just sounds like a fucking trap. Right. And it usually, mm -hmm. and we know that it usually is like we, the evidence is there that it has like made bands shittier. And then like gradually, like the fans do go away because they just, their taste change and they realize that they just deserve better sounding music. Um, See, that's why I fucking hate album reviews. Cause it's like <laughs> that whole thing of like, if you don't get it, you're probably going to hate it. And I, look, I've fallen into this trap before, right? I've like slagged off bands who have written perfectly good albums because I didn't fucking get it. And I've been called out on my bullshit and that was probably the best thing that could have happened. Can you, you know? get, can you give me an example? Um, there's a band called Bane and they do like sort of, um, I was going to say, like, they're, they're a hardcore like punk band, right? Essentially. Mm -hmm. And at the time that I was listening to it, I just didn't get it. I found the record like exhausting to listen to. Like I was annoyed with it. <laughs> and I couldn't, I, and I, I couldn't like find my way into it. Right. So instead of fronting up and being like, this is a solid record by a great band, but I'm a fucking idiot. In the review, I just went, oh, this new Bane record sucks or something, oh, or like, oh, it tired me out. Or like, I was a dick about it. And, yeah. but you know, getting called out on that bullshit and sort of realizing that like, this is why album reviews don't work because most magazines and stuff are street press right they don't pay you to write the reviews they just send you free music and occasionally you get a concert ticket and you turn a review in every week or every couple of days right and that's what you do when you're you're a music journalist right there's no kind of like vetting or training or anything like that and so once like once you crack that and you realize that they're bullshit i think a lot of people move away from them but they're still like for me too prevalent right never thought just, about that I'm going to change your fucking world, man. But like, it's, I'm depressed now, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think for me, that's like in defense of the music that people make, right? Because it's like, you have to be able to understand something. And if you don't get it, you need to be able to step away from it and be like, I don't get this for whatever reason, but that yeah. doesn't mm -hmm. make it shit. That's, that's I, true. I feel like a day to remember it getting a lot of flack for that at the moment, their new album, you're welcome came out last week. They took a left turn, sort of semi bring me the horizon style, right? Um, I defended it on last week's show. I think it's a solid sort of pop punk record. They've always shown that kind of sensibility, but the people that don't like something or don't get something always shout louder than the people that do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and 
I can get it. Like when you when you like love a band and they do something that like you don't like, um, yeah, you're extra emotional because you love the band. You're like attached to it, and 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 as a result of being attached to it, you're attaching that band to like your experiences and your memories and stuff. It's like you're making it personal when it's it's just not. You know what I mean? Like that band doesn't owe you anything. They don't. Um, it's funny I said earlier, like, you, like people realize they deserve better music, but actually, like, I take that back. Like, you don't deserve anything. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, a band doesn't owe you a good record at all. So, like, they're gonna a band's gonna put out good records. They're gonna put out weaker records. It's just kind of part of it. You know what I mean? Like, like every record a band puts out can't be their best record. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, you're gonna have your favorite, but um, but this one's your best, but, right? Just to clarify, do well, I'm looking for a joke. <laughs> what is it? Is it this one's your best though, right? Uh, duh. Yeah. Well, the di- yeah, yeah. the difference we for us is we'll we'll beat all of our previous t- discography to shit the next record. No. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like I I've like really try to pay attention to that because I'm very uh self conscious about always being like our new record the best record you know what I mean because it's so hard to not feel that before it comes out but I think you really don't know where it stands in discography until like a year later. You know what I mean? True. Like, like after we got to play some shows, honestly. Yeah, and, and then seeing yes, seeing how it translates live for sure. One um, of my one of my favorite old Eminem lyrics is "Fuck that last CD, that shit's in the trash." Yeah, that's like that's that, that's that's kind of I think that's like a, a sentiment shared by a lot of musicians. It's like, yeah, but but um, that's not entirely true. Yeah, but 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 like like where that where that idea comes from yeah it's like you you it resonated with you because you were like i feel that like i feel where that emotion comes from like when you're you're looking at stuff that like stuff you've made that's already in the past like you start nitpicking the shit out of it um i think from a pr point of view you can't come out and be like yeah this is like our third best record because 100 yeah yeah i know right (laughs) i'm not playing that 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 would be weird too. Yeah, if you just come out, you immediately start shitting on it, which is so funny because I remember whenever Deftones, which is like probably my favorite band, definitely top three, but whenever they were putting out Gore, um, there was some interview that Steph Carpenter like I don't think I remember him shitting on it, but he was like he he kind of like washed his hands of it, like he was just like this record was mostly um, Chino and. Uh, the bass player like i didn't have a lot to do with it (laughs) like he was like like, don't look at me oh Uh, damn but uh i didn't think that record was as bad as a lot of people thought it was but you know it wasn't their best but um uh, what was it where the i fucking lost my train of thought i mean we 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 come into these approaches every time when you you try like you hope like whatever you do is the best and you i don't think any any musician or or even you like when you do your podcasts like you you learn from your previous interviews and you Dude, learn how to this, i'm gonna What's watch that? this interview back later and it's gonna make me fucking feel bad even though like i feel like we're having a oh break. no in a, no like in a way he's right it's though our, because like programmed like, like I, will, I will watch this back and it will like hurt yeah me. i'll think too much about certain answers that like didn't come across as well as i like for him to and like i'll probably be like down for a day yeah, which is a wonderful like, conversation it'll probably ruin my day when i watch it back can, can you not tell the publicist that just because i'll get blacklisted 
No way. Like I'm it was not, fun until I watched it again, and then I realized he was a dick. <laughs> I'm gonna send out. A, I'm gonna send out a mass email. No, a mass text message to to everyone in our camp and be like, he, the, yeah, it was it depressed me. I think it's very important to self-analyze, though. I mean, what you take away from it is the the issue, but like, even sports teams, they'll rewatch games, basketball players, football players, they'll rewatch you you're doing your own thing because it's not like a like oh i'm amazing i'm gonna watch myself do amazing things it's i'm listening this for for research you know i'm going back over this to learn and to improve because i don't want to put a ceiling over myself yeah sometimes you get locked up and like bam i sucked there or like oh man i shouldn't have said that or like i didn't like that but instead of just yeah it's hard to not be like well i suck my day's ruined it's i suck what can i do to work on this and and you can also get proud, proud by yourself too, and like, and hang on to those moments, and and feel better, and feel more inspired and confident. And yeah, so like going back to to you, like you use all these interviews, and you learn from your experiences. You learn how to uh, approach conversations to get the emotions and dialogue that you're looking for. But you also learn from each other, and you, you the enjoyment is spread out so wide. Thankfully. I think yeah, before there's a, a moment for us to lose that enjoyment, I am going to let you guys get on with your days because I've just realized no. I've kept you for a very fucking long time. No, this was so much fun. I, we love these. Yeah. These are way more ideal. I like podcasts. Yeah. I think Jesse does too. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, this, this has been really fun. Um, and also, it has been, th- th- this has been my favorite one that we've, that we've done. Uh, for sure. In, in promotion of the record. Um, but, um, yeah, so so don't think that I'm saying like <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, dude. It's like it's like this is the best one because it's the most honest one. But like it's like JT was saying earlier, to be self-reflective, to be truly honest and vulnerable, it's also it comes with a certain amount of pain. So like mm-hmm. it, it's just part of it, but it's it's worth it. You know, what I mean, it's worth it to have these conversations. And um, the juice. What I was saying about like pain. about like being hard on yourself versus giving yourself some grace. I think with these kind of conversations when it comes to looking back at things that you said or looking at comments that you posted, I think that's a time where it's actually probably not good to be hard on yourself and you really should just give yourself some grace. Like, like I don't, I don't want to, so I guess I, Oh, this is our first debate. So I guess I am disagreeing with you, JT, that I, I don't think this is something that any, any of us should look back on and be hard on hard on ourselves about because it was a good conversation, but I also, I get it. Like I get like how we're wired, you know what I mean? Like, it's not often that we're like this fully on display and it's recorded like this. You know what I mean? Um, There's your intro. Crazy thing. Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Take the grace lads. You've earned it. Yeah. You are not convinced probably, by that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that, I was, I, I was like stopping myself before I put that down because it's a good thing to muse on. It's, it's a good thing to feel like you've, can treat yourself to a bit of grace otherwise you know with the pandemic and stuff i mean you just find yourself stuck in a hole you know what i mean like I, like i think jt and i have both found ourselves in holes sometimes or like especially over the last year like they're like there are little uh little surges where it just gets really tough mm-hmm. but uh no it's good to to reinforce those 
those ideas. Like just fucking give yourself a break. Just relax a little bit, you know? It's all good. These yeah, conversations dude. become like our own like therapy and yoga yoga, you know, like our Zen's. Yoga. That's nice. Too. Yeah, you know, like doing yoga. Yoga session. These are our yoga sessions, you know? These I, are I, finding our Zen. I love that you said that because there is kind of a thing for me where it's like, I want this to feel like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything I, I, has this been... This was for me. This was good. It, everything has been shut here since the day after Christmas. Damn. Still? Everything is closed in Scotland. Like, you can go to the supermarket and you can get a takeaway if you stand outside and they cook it and they bring it to you. Like, you cannot go into anywhere. You cannot do anything. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to carve this time out. Like, for me right as a fucking human being but also i hope for the people that listen to it it carves out time for them to just like you know give themselves some grace hang out do something different feel better about shit yeah some humanity yeah i i live in california so it's kind of kind of similar it's like a bit stricter on shutdowns than a lot of the rest of the country um so yeah not a whole lot going on but it's all good. We're hey, very we, fortunate. We are here. We, we like. I don't know. I don't want to be a cliche. I'll actually stop there. <laughs> Fair play, you are. guys. Like, We've we, had. We fun. are very lucky. But anyways, you guys are absolute fucking legends. Thank you so much for hanging out. I was gonna say tonight, but of course it's the afternoon <laughs> for you guys. So we got those deep and meaningful vibes. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, any, man. any outro things you need us to say? Uh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, seeing JT from here, coming at you hot. You can pick up our brand new Sultana record yes. this March 19th. Yes. Love you guys. Thank you. There you go. There's your, that was amazing. I never ask for that shit because I always feel super awkward. So exclusive I, info here now on the more than punk podcast. If they, if they made it this far listening to the two of us, fucking knuckleheads talk <laughs> sure they know that we have a record three of us don't exclude him yeah i want to be a knucklehead too all right fine you're also a knucklehead i was trying to be kind <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i tried being kind it was fucking boring so i'm gonna go back to uh, who i was yesterday nice. and, and that's where it ends <laughs> awesome Such thank you guys to leave off man <laughs> anyways all right, knuckleheads. This is over, huh? It's been fun. Thank you, Thank lads. You, man. Have a good afternoon. Thank right. you, Sebastian. Thank you, Take care. God, I love those two. I mean, that is... That's what this is all about, you know? Those candid, in-depth, revealing, and intimate conversations are the whole driving point behind doing this podcast. Having guys like that on and being able to talk to them in this style format instead of you know trying to write an article out of a a 20 minute interview so it's awesome to be able to have that space and and this medium to do that and obviously if you're hearing this you caught those absolutely awesome uh, hot takes or stingers as they call them in radio at the end there so you know thank you guys for doing that it was a very cool thing this next track is called shadow autonomous it's from their forthcoming self-titled album era you're on the more than punk podcast and i will be back next week 
and the week after and we're going to be crashing through 2021 with as much punk as you can handle so make sure you stick around hit that like button hit that subscribe button we're now on facebook so that's a thing more than punk podcast on facebook throw me a like you can check out clips and conversations from other interviews there as well we've got little bits of video um so it's gonna be pretty cool it's gonna be pretty cool um so make sure you come over and hang out and chat with me flick me a a message on facebook messenger it'd be great to get your thoughts on the show this is shadow autonomous it's era i hope you had a good time